I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Call. It's great to have you company at 12 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time. Welcome back to WozBiz. Also, a big welcome to our Twitter and Facebook viewers as well who are joining us live for this edition of The Call. This happens every day for an hour between 12 and 1 p.m. on Ausbiz. Each day, we take a look at 10 stocks that uh, our viewers suggest we have a look at. We put them to two experts for their opinion of them. And uh, what a team we've got today. Uh, they haven't been together I think this year yet, have you? Rudy Philippic van Dyke from FN Arena joins us. Rudy, good to see you. I hate to disappoint you, uh, David. Without you, we've been together more than you've been on this channel this year. (laughs) Oh, no, don't rub it in. I've had to have a bit of a holiday. Claude Walker from uh, Rich Life. Claude uh, is in Canberra where he's based. Claude, good good to see you. Great to be here. Good to see you too. All right, we've got... We've got a fair bit to uh, get through today. And before we get into your stocks, I come up with a stock of the day. But I thought we'd do something a bit different today. Uh, We'd go, rather than a single stock, a bit of a theme. Let's call it bond proxies. This is as the 10-year bond yields top 1.2% for the first time since March 9, where they are a low of 0.6%. Today, the Reserve Bank Governor, Guy DeBell, saying inflation may rise above 3% in six months. $100 billion of quantitative easing, commitment to low rates for the next four years, increases the likelihood of economic growth and rising prices. So what are some of the stocks which stand to benefit the most from a shift in bond yield, sort of the bond proxies, if you like? Um, Rudy, it's now I should, because when Guy Guy DeBell said inflation could be back, to 3% within six months, I thought, holy hell, hang on. You Sell pro- all your shares. Yeah, you promised yeah. Uh, low interest rates till 2024. And then he put the caveat on it for a short period of time because we'll be comparing it to the real lows it's of obvious. March yes. last year when there was free yes. childcare and all that sort of stuff. So it's not going to last no, for long. No. Low inflation is here for a while, yeah. but bond yields up a bit. Yes, and that is, I mean, I've been writing about this as well. Um, that is a prospect for 2021, essentially. Yep. And usually, equity investors don't pay much attention to the bond market. I mean, it's complete. Right. But this year, Why they, should we? this year, they should. Why? Because it impacts on the share market, basically. Right. Um, it's a bit like the, probably the best comparison to make is with oil prices. Yep. When oil prices rise, initially, that's taken as a good thing because it means the economy is, is, is going well. Yep. There comes a point when it becomes a negative. Too high is too high. It's, just, it's the same with with, uh, right, with the bond because market. cost of transport company goes up, uh, inflation goes up, yes. all that sort of thing. And right, also the ripple effect. And, and and a lot of equities are uh, the valuations are indirectly based off bond yields essentially. Right. So uh, if bonds become more attractive, higher yield, then equities become less attractive. Right. And 
And so, long story short, um, central bankers have been suppressing bond yields according to very complicated modeling by, 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 by uh, uh, investment bankers. Bond yields should be about 2% now, mm. given the circumstances where we are. Um, so why aren't that? We all hope, well, that, that's the suppressing of the central bankers. There's right. QE, there's the bond buying right. programs and all of that. To keep interest rates low, so we'll borrow more to yes. spend more and invest so we, more, so we boost get, the exactly, economy. Exactly. We will all hope that, um, irrespective of, of, of whether 2% is, is the right level now, that we're not going to 2%. Right. Uh, because we have a lot of uncertain uncertainties in, sec in, in financial markets, but we have one certainty. If bond yields go to 2%, we will sell off. Right. And it will be a big one. Right. So, um, having said so, I don't think there's too many people around who think that bond yields are going to 2%. Right. But even if they go to 1.5%, for example, it's still a while to go. That will put the damper on the share market. Right. So, what stocks benefit? Yes, well, let's start with the ones that don't benefit. Right. The, the ones that don't benefit are the quality ones, the, uh, the technology stocks, and, and the so-called bond proxies. Right. The ones that do benefit are the ones who are least affected by rising bond yields. Uh, mining stocks, right. energy stocks, uh, banks, who actually benefit from the difference in between uh, long, long bonds and, and short bonds. That's how they make money. Yeah. Um, and that's basically the long, the long and the short of it. Now, what's... It, in times of, well, a lot of people are interested in income, dividend, yes. etc. This year, the banks would be amongst the ma main beneficiaries because they actually benefit from, from that rising bond yields in the long end, while the, the short end is low, because yeah. that's free money for them. Yeah. Um, if one of the reasons why, for example, a stock like CSL hasn't moved this year, uh, it's bond yields. It's, right. it's a very important input there. One of the reasons why stocks like an APA group uh, uh, is, is down this year, bond yields. Right. So bond yields really change the dynamic in the share market. Mm -hmm. I've been telling people, if you are interested this year in yield or income stocks, you have to change your focus. Right. Because everything that simply offers a, a high yield and no growth is going gonna, is gonna, is gonna to fall in price. Right. Um, is that an... Uh, it, I mean, that's basically long and the short of it. I mean, right. the Wall Street is convinced that we will see higher bond yields this year. If that's 1.4, 1.5, 1.6, we have to find out. Let's right. hope it doesn't go beyond that. Okay. Because, again, there comes a point where everything yep. becomes negative. So banks, big beneficiaries. Yes. Okay. Uh, Claude? Yeah, so I think um, uh, Rudy has given an excellent summary, uh, which I agree with and, and won't repeat other than to just throw myself into the fire a little bit and say a portfolio like mine with a lot of high growth stocks uh, will suffer badly in an environment where uh, bond yields are going up quickly. Um, for those uh, people that are interested in income, uh, my idea would be to buy an ETF, which will go down with the overall market, uh, but should still um, diversify and um, the, there's, a, there's an ETF called the UMAX ETF, which generates additional income by um, selling calls, I think it is. So it sort of will slightly dampen the effect of a, of a falling market and still should provide a fairly reliable income since it's spread over so many companies. So I, I slightly yep. differ from that one. Yeah. Um, I, I think the best protection this year is that you buy industrial companies or financials that offer you still a high yield, but with growth. Right. Like with everything in the share market, if there's a problem, 
there's one cure that's always available, that's growth. Yep. So if you have a yield stock that grows, it will not suffer from rising bond yields, essentially. Okay. So, Rudy, you're saying for an investor like you in tech and growth stocks, you're going to get hammered if bond yields go up. How are you, pre are you preparing for that? Yeah, so my, my attitude is actually similar to what Rudy said, even though I just said like a very conservative way of trying to defend an income stream. I actually prefer growing yielding companies. But the problem with that is that you do take on um, like quite significant single company risk. Uh, so, for example, my highest yielding investments are companies like Dicker Data and Kit McGrath Education Centres. Now, they're both growing and they both have good prospects and they've managed to grow their dividends over the yields, so uh, over the years. So that's given some protection when when the markets fall. But I suspect that um, I suspect that if you know that you take on a bit of uh, company specific risk and, and then we're into like small caps and that kind of end of the market, which just tends to get affected way more when there's a seller. So. I'm not really protecting myself very well from this risk. Um, I'm just going to keep on focusing on trying to find um, mispriced smaller companies that are having such a profound change in their operations that um, their sp specific story can overcome the overall market right. move down that you'll see. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for that. That was a really good discussion because, Rudy, I reckon you're absolutely right. Most share investors don't give a toss about bond yields, no. but they should. And bond yields, I, I wrote, and he won't mind you, uh, mind me telling you this, uh, back with the, uh, the GFC, uh, Joe Hockey uh, rang me and said, Melissa, his wife, who is um, a really terrific investment banker at the time, um, this was at the height of the share market boom, yeah. um, rang me and said, Melissa wants to sell everything we own um, apart from the house, because she said the bond market is telling us we're about to crash. Yes. And I went, whoa, really? Mm -hmm. And um, anyhow, she was right yes. and turned it, it out. So for a lot of share investors, keep an eye on that bond market yes. and the change that's coming. And also, if you want to protect your portfolio, by the way, is, is, is what I did, is you, 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 look, you look for industrial companies. I mean, some of the retailers offer you 6 or 7%, yeah? so right. the retail does. Okay. I mean, and that's a relatively large. You don't have to go in, in small caps. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, let's go to the stocks you've suggested us take a look at. And the first one from Jeff, is this one of these stocks? This is one of uh, these really, stocks. Uh, Encore, <laughs> um, the, the big yes. uh, packaging for food, beverage, pharmaceutical, uh, home and personal care. Uh, amazing company, 47,000 people it employs in 40 countries, had a really great half yearly earnings report um, and, and lifted dividend. And sold off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Share market, share market. I mean, uh, Paul would be good to say, I mean, I'm a, I'm a long-term fan of, 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 of Amcor, right? right. Uh, I've been singing their praise for a long time. On occasion, last week, we, um, we, we spoke here about um, some people saying that you need to have BHP in your portfolio. Yeah? And, we, yep. and Claude and I both agreed, no, you don't. There are times when you own it and there are times when you don't own it. I think Amcor is one of those stocks that you actually need to have in your portfolio. Mm. If you have a long-term portfolio, this is one of those. Such a foundation stock. Exactly. Like. This is one of the backbones. It, it performs mm. throughout the cycle. It's, it's in, in football terms, you would call this a, a defensive midfielder. Right. And it, it, it grows year after year. It, uh, it increases its dividend. 
it's now uh, moved actually to the US and it's now a US dollar company. Yeah. But essentially, uh, there are so many products that we buy and that they are involved. It, it goes from, uh, from packaged food in the supermarket to if we go to a pharmacist and we buy something that's been packaged, it's probably yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, now having said so, in Australia, they, they, they separated those businesses. So they are now called Aurora. Right. Uh, so they, Emco, Emco is one of the true international companies we have. I don't know how many com how many countries they service, but yeah. um, I mean, if there's a problem in Venezuela, they're affected. I mean, right. that that gives you an idea from from the countries where they're in, where they're in. The share price doesn't give you the true picture because they yeah, spun off Aurora. I was, was going to say that it looks as they, though it's they, going they, sideways. They spun off Aurora, right? And obviously that so came, that, that came out of the right. share price, of course. Right. If you take a longer term view, you, for example, when they did the acquisition of uh, the Elkin uh, business from um, Rio Tinto in back in 2009 from memory, that was a, a, a glorious period to have those shares buying back then right. and keeping them until today because right. everyone would have done really, really well. Anyway, we spoke about rising bond deals earlier. MCOS dividend goes up year in, year out. Yeah. And that is your best defense against rising bond deals. It also, right. it's, it's defense you need as an income investor because you also have inflation. Even though inflation is low, yep. receiving 16 cents every year doesn't, inflate, doesn't protect you against inflation. Mm. But a rising income and a rising uh, yield does, and, and MCO is, is, is excellent okay. uh, for that. So at this price, you'd be buying at 1481 Absolutely. Right. We've just had a quack of a result and the share price didn't move. Yeah. Okay. Reading? Um, Claude, <laughs> rather, what's your view on, uh, on MCO? Well, I had to give this one a lot of serious thought because I Ooh. knew that Rudy would like it. <laughs> and I, I went over these results and I have to say, I agree with Rudy that I think this quarter was good. And then I also, I, the one caveat I would put on what Rudy said about, I guess, the long-term prospects of Amcor is, yes, it's growing, but like the top, this is not, not the kind of company that I generally look for because its growth is just too slow. And that's fine. It pays good dividend yield. It's on track to, to yield perhaps over, like, significantly over 4%, which is not bad uh, given the resilience of the business. This is also a company that has just approved a $200 million buyback. So I think that that at least somewhat uh, protects the downside uh, for shareholders, at least in the shorter term. So... I, I have one big caveat, but then I have my verdict that I think Rudy, Rudy will like. So my caveat is, you guys know that I don't invest in big companies like this. Actually, the last time we were all on a show together, which was 27th of November, we talked about a tiny, tiny competitor, sort of, to Amcol called Secos Group, which I did own at the time. The shares in that uh, company moved up from 20 cents to over 30 cents today, and I have now sold. That is the kind of industrial, that's a that's a high growth inflection point business with its new kind of packaging. This is a established one that's so profitable compared to Secos Group, fairly profitable, we'll see about that. So this is a more mature one. It's not the kind of thing that I invest in, but having said that, I have to agree that it is a, for, for people that are not me, for people that are looking for something safer, um, it could be a good stock. And as a result, I have to tip it over into buy. Um, as as a good play for the people looking something a little safer, Rudy. It is undervalued. Ru Rudy, how proud are you? 
How proud are you? You've been able to convince Claude into MCOR. Yes. I think that's a big achievement. I know, I know. Because, I mean, for years, I remember people would ask me, Woody, why do you like MCOR? People didn't see it, yeah? Uh, yeah and yeah. Now, now I'm convincing people. Right? It's uh, not just convincing people, Claude. convincing Claude, Claude which is yes. a big call. Yes. All right, Claude. Um, so there you go, Jeff. Um, a good thumbs up from, uh, from both Claude and Rudy on that. Um, Claude, Nelson wants a view on Emico. Now, they basically are a, a big rental uh, business, but they rent out the big Tonka trucks and big mining equipment and things like that um, and, and maintain them, don't they, to, to major mining companies. Yeah, that's right. And, and so they are ultimately trying to compete on the cost and be the most attractive provider, which, which can be a reasonable strategy because as you grow and you get incumbency advantages, sometimes you get scale and um, sort of distribution kind of advantages. I don't know how you would think about distribution of these huge um, mining equipment uh, that people hire for their mines and stuff. Um, so there's a few factors here. Unfortunately, I think we're just at that segment in the in the market cycle now where the kind of stocks that I really love which were looking like beautifully set up this time or you know almost a year ago um now we're talking about bond yields going up through a different factor which is I'm sure why people like Nelson are looking at Emico because um these guys are, are going to be uh, leveraged to a lot of like mining activity in Australia and so if the outlook looks good there then you could argue that it's going to be a decent year or so um at least for the company on top of that, I'll just chuck in, like, uh, if you look at the longer term history of this business, I think it's, uh, ooh, I, I don't know what's happened to that chart there, but maybe a, a share consolidation in there. But basically, um, they have had a lot of debt historically, and that's been sort of a big factor in them having a lower PE ratio. Now, what they're doing is they're, pa they're trying to pay down that debt, get the um, balance sheet stronger, which in my view is appropriate for their kind of business, and then they'll start paying a dividend. So it seems like there's a little bit of, uh, balance sheet rehabilitation going on, which again is not—it's not a terrible thesis. Um, I'm not against it, but having said that, this kind of stuff is is too far out of my wheelhouse. I'm looking for potentially low capital expenditure growth, very scalable business models. This is not that. So there's mm. just no chance that I could ever I could ever really give this a buy unless it was just something yeah. super compelling, special situation, which I'm not seeing right now. So okay. I'd say hold. Uh, Rudy. Um. I completely agree with uh, with Claude. I think there's two things to point out here. One is leverage, the other one is risk. Yeah. Uh, businesses like Emico are extremely leveraged, both to the downside and to the upside, which means if that whole picture emerges that the miners are starting to spend more money and stuff like that, this com these companies like Emico should benefit a lot. So the share price can easily triple from, from these levels. However, <laughs> however, oh, right? I was sort of yes, half expecting yes. the however, but thinking, <laughs> oh, please don't. So companies like Emico are very strongly linked to coal mining and coal uh, at the moment is really on its ass. Right? Mm. Uh, you only have to look at share prices of uh, New Hope uh, or yeah, Horizon White Holdings. Whitehaven's doing that. Yeah, but, but, but nevertheless, and, and, and I think for investors to, if you want to invest, I, I like to have a little bit of a longer view than just the next six months or so. Right. So the thing to look out for here is that not every, if we, if we are going through a new commodity cycle, and it would appear that we are, not at the moment, but the, the, the diversion, the polarization will open up over time. Huh? And it means no oil and gas, no coal, right. uh, and probably more in the terms of nickel, copper, 
and uh, rare earths, graphite, yeah. cobalt, there will be a complete divergence. So the better thing to do is to seek out companies that benefit from the ones who are going to do m longer than well over the next six months. And, uh, and there are obviously other companies out there. I mean, Emico for me is um, too high risk. This is right. probably a, a good point to, um, to remind people that at this point in time, uh, lawyers are putting together a class action against RCR Tomlinson. They went bankrupt. So mm. good luck on them if they can, if they can recover anything from, from, that, uh, from those assets. I, I mean, I wouldn't be hopeful. Right. But it, there are fund managers out there that do not invest in this sector. Right. Why is that? It's because one project here, compared to another one there, can completely ruin the company or can completely ruin their, their business. Right. And, and because of the leverage in that business. They're big, big projects. Yeah. So I would say if you, if you are jumping on this one, it's the theme of the year, yeah. but you have to do it with your risk, with the right risk assessment. Right. And you have to be prepared that if it goes wrong, well, then, then you lose a lot of your money. Basically. Okay. All right. There you go, Nelson. Really good assessment from Rudy and Claude. Uh, Rudy, Mark wants a view on hotel property investments. As the uh, name suggests, it has a portfolio of, uh, of different hotels, bought three mm. quite new Queensland ones in, uh, in November. Um, generally disappointed on the, on the earnings side over recent times. Yeah, it's, 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 it's one of the smaller players in the, in, in the sector. And obviously, I mean, it's the obvious thing to say is that, I mean, hotels don't come yeah. without risk either in yeah. times of Skew pandemics. Queensland. Yes, right. yeah. but, but nevertheless, they, their assets seem to have performed relatively okay. And, and they, they tend to have, uh, my understanding is quite a good reputation and they haven't done too badly. The irony is we spoke about bond proxies earlier. The irony is they are in a sector that is actually, by a lot of people, sold out this year. And the magical word here is whale. Yeah. Uh, W-A-L-E, yeah. which stands for, basically, without going too technical here, they have assets for which the contract they have over those assets doesn't expire anytime soon. It's, yeah. I think the average is like 10 so or 11 long, years. So it's a long, weighted, weighted average lease expiring. expiring. Yes. Yeah, so it's what whale It's long for. out. Yep. Um, there are a few other... Uh, REITs in the market that have that similar Charter characteristic has, has, has a whale. It's actually yeah. called whale, exactly. Yeah. So those assets are actually sold out. Um, I'm a little bit surprised that it is because I would expect that if bond yields go higher, they will still be impacted, right. just, not as, just not, not as hard as a, as a Sydney airport or, or Transurban, for example. Yeah. But if you're happy with the yield um, and the risk doesn't seem to be excessive, then I, don't, I don't personally don't like it that much because it's a very small player. Um, I like, I mean, there is risk with, with the, the, the size of companies as well. Yeah. And I would prefer to go for, for a little bit of larger REITs. Right. Um, I mean, I'm, a, I'm still a big fan of Goodman Group, for example, but right. I, I would admit that Goodman Group doesn't give you that, that, that yield anymore because yeah. it's now priced as a growth uh, asset. But yeah. as, in essence, if you're looking for a, for a stable, promising, relatively reliable yield stock, then this can be it. Okay. All right. So I would I would say for that reason you, you can add it in your portfolio and just keep it for for that. For a yield stock. Okay. Yes. Uh, Rudy. He, he, um, means, he means Claude, by the way. Oh, <laughs> yeah, sorry. I that. Why do I mix this up all the time? You don't even. I, I take it as a compliment. You're, to you're totally different generations too. No, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Rudy. Um, no, so <laughs> Claude. We'll say David. Rudy. Rudy. <laughs> Rudy is actually uh, probably more across this kind of investment to me because uh, as we've discussed, um, I'm, I'm not so much of a yield player. But having said that, 
you know, this one um, is paying a dividend of over 6%, and that roughly is sort of matched by the yield it's getting on all of its um, various sort of hotels that it owns all over the place. So it's an interesting strategy. You know, you've got a whole bunch of things like the Grafton Hotel, the Kings Beach Hotel. Um, you've got, you know, Palm Cove Tavern and, and all around Queensland in particular, right? So uh, you've got to take a view on how all of these regional hotels will like trade longer term. Do they become more valuable over time? Do they become less valuable over time? And even though, so if I was going to own this, I would want to actually really try and check out as much as I can, all of the, or at least the scattering of the actual underlying holdings. But having said that, my guess is that actually regional, regional Australia, including Queensland, is well positioned uh, for the next 10 years. And so, you know, I would generally say that I think this is probably a reasonable, uh, a re they've just also, um, in, they've also raised capital that strengthened the balance sheet at about $3.04, which is not too far below the current share price. There was very strong demand for shares at that price, uh, which to me sort of indicates that unless something changes with the business, there probably isn't too much downside. So, um, yeah, a, a happy hold for me again, not the kind of business that I'll invest in. But, uh, yeah, it seems decent. OK. All right. Um, now, Lena wants a view on would you class this as the most profitable airline in the world at the moment, Claude? Um, Alliance Aviation Services, the uh, they're almost more of a mining services company, aren't they? Because they they do a, a lot of flights into um, into mining camps and are chartered by big mining companies. But I noticed they just done recently a deal with Qantas to lease a couple of their flights for the Adelaide to uh, Alice Springs and Adelaide to Darwin flight. Their smaller Embraer um, groups uh, shares are up over eighty percent in twelve months off the back of a solid performance. We're talking about an airline here. You know, all the focus has been on Qantas and other airlines around the world. Um, this is a, a little airline business that has shot the lights out. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. And you put your finger on sort of the why here, which is that it's been linked to the sort of mining industry in Australia, which has gone quite strongly throughout this whole pandemic. So it's just done great comparative to other airlines. now. You've got that aspect of it, and I feel like maybe there is a, there's a like maybe there's a thesis there that this is a strong niche that it can dominate. But I think also maybe there's just some luck that it's never had somebody really competing and try to disrupt it there. Which is why, if, when I sort of started, I read all the Warren Buffett stuff about how invest how investing in airlines is a terrible business because basically they just compete each other's margin away, plus they're capital intensive, have risk, etc. Then you've seen him invest in them and then divest them again. Um, I feel like that maybe this one's just been a lucky one that's escaped the competition thus far. And so it's got a good little niche at the moment, but it's definitely possible that could change. There's also some speculation. I'm not sure how much of this is in the share price, but there's some speculation that sort of, I guess, the demise of Virgin could be beneficial to Alliance one way or another, whether it's just in terms of getting aircraft or whether it's in terms of actual growth prospects outside of their, their core little niche. Uh, but basically, uh, it's a tough one for me. I don't, I don't feel confident saying sell this one because I feel like there could definitely be further upside um, if in the current settings. But I, generally speaking, have to say I agree with uh, Warren Buffett's sort of original view from ten years ago, which is that uh, 
airlines are pretty much where money goes to die and I don't want to be a long-term holder <laughs> of those things. Okay, all right, fair enough. Uh, I noticed uh, uh, in June, they bought another 14 Embraer 190s at a really low price when the market was shot, shot to bits. So maybe, Rudy, is there a bit of luck that Alliance has had this year? Yeah. Is it a well-run business? Luck is a, luck is a, luck is a different, diff, it's, a, it's, a, it's a difficult concept, isn't it? I mean, if, yeah. if you win, there's always some luck involved. Yeah, if you yeah, lose, there yeah, should always be yeah, some yeah. the other time. side. Yeah. It reminds me about something else. The, the question like, how do you become a millionaire airline owner? It's very simple. You start off as a billionaire. <laughs> <laughs> and for most airlines, that, 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 that counts. Um, I think the exception here, they are the exception, I think. And I think for investors, there's always, um, there's, there's two conclusions to draw. There's always room for exceptions. And the second one is, um, I forgot the second one now. Uh, doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Um, if I if I fly rural, which we on occasion we do, yeah. I mean, you can you can tell even before the pandemic there is a a big difference in the price you pay for your ticket, yeah. whether there was competition from the from the big guys, yeah. Qantas, or not. Yeah. And in some of those routes, I sometimes go like, really, yeah. really, <laughs> like I mean, they are really taking the I mean, yeah, they yeah. are I yeah, mean. Yeah. And I, and I think these guys are benefiting from that. And now I remember myself. And, and Rex to a certain extent as and, well. Exactly. And now yeah. I remember myself. Now I know the second point is that when you get a crisis like this, the stronger becomes stronger. Yeah. And I think this is what Alliance is, is showing us. I think the demise of Virgin in a, to a very large extent plays into their, to their yeah. benefit. Um, outside of Rex, I think that the, whatever is left there on the regionals is probably yeah. on their knees as well. So these guys are just in a good position and yeah. they become stronger through And through the fact Qantas pandemic. is saying, can we lease smaller aircraft yes. from you for yes. three years, three yes. of them, exactly. to cover these regional so, routes for us? So, so it, it is obviously, the luck, the luck is obviously there that they are there in the right place at the right time. But you can also argue they've obviously done the right thing previously yeah. and they've made sure that their balance sheet is, is in order and they have a, a thriving business. According to the analysts covering this stock, uh, there's a lot more upside to come. Oh. So you can definitely uh, add this to your portfolio. Okay. Having said so, well. uh, it is a small cap stock and things can really uh, swing around a lot. After 80% 80, 80 upside, it's not inconceivable that if the share market gets a little bit of heebies-jeebies, this share price might so be So you'd wait for a pullback? Oh no, I or think buy you, can, it now? you, uh, you okay. can still buy it now. But, right. but, uh, but do it with the right risk I, assessment, I would say. Eyes open. It's right, a small Lena. cap stock. Yep. All right, Lena, thank you for that suggestion. Uh, Simone wants a view, Rudy, on EQ2, EQT, mm. um, which sounds very trendy, um, it's but it's the old equity trustees, yes. uh, which yes. are, are in trustee and philanthropic services, uh, look after charitable trusts, Estate planning. They're basically, they're basically the trustees. Been around forever. Yeah, trustees and they've been around for like, they, yeah. they have, it, for me, that's a sector of which I, I have no insights, basically. I have way too little knowledge yeah. about how that grows and, and how stable that is. And, and I only know that everything is going to change, yeah. in particular financial industry. I have no idea how well positioned they are or whatever. I know that some of the few analysts who have been covering this stock uh, were very positive about it in the past. Right. But I also know the share price is now up a lot yeah. since since last year. Yeah. Um, you don't, yeah, you probably can see it has gone sideways. So for me, the, the, the added comment to make here is it really is a small cap stock. Yeah. Like, I don't think it is in one of the indices. It might be in the ASX 300 at the best. So it becomes really, really, again, you're dabbling in something small. 
And um, I mean, the small cap stocks is is is, a, is an acquired taste. I mean, yeah. it's f not fine when they go up. Uh, it becomes a lot less fine when they don't don't go up. Yeah. Now this 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 company has had a big run. Um, yeah. I, I I can't judge myself whether okay. whether that 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 run is going to continue. Uh. So for me, it would be at best a re reassess and review. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, Claude, you like the small cap end? Do you like equity trustees? Yeah, I, I love the small cap end, but I think that this one is one that does not show the kind of ingredients that I want to um, be successful across a small cap portfolio. Now, that doesn't mean it's bad, but let me explain. So basically, uh, this is a fairly mature business for a, um, a small cap stock. It's been around for ages in the corporate trustee um, space. Uh, there's been, you know, per perpetually uh, rumors about consolidation in that sort of uh, area. And that's because it's a scale game in some ways. So I don't think their business is going away anytime soon. But if you look at their revenue, then um, just years ago, absolutely five years ago, their revenue was, you know, 83 million and now it's about 95 million. So it, there's mm. just not a lot of growth there at the top line. And even yeah. though they've done reasonably well at the bottom line, they've not, they're not really seeing that growth. Like they have managed to get some growth out there, um, but it's mostly the biggest growing factor has been the dividend, put it that way, right? So to me, that even is just another sign that um, it's a sort of very mature business that's sure. trying to retur return more capital to shareholders. And whilst that may perform decently well as an investment, what I'm doing in small caps is looking to say, yeah, I'm going to miss sometimes, but I want I want to invest in stocks that uh, if uh, I'm if I'm right, they could actually become large caps and they could be very successful and they could really get outsized returns. And I'm just not seeing that sort of inflection point. I'm not seeing that sort of growth rate. I'm not seeing any sign that these guys have this moat that just means they're going to keep on eating up market share. I just don't see any of that. So without wanting to... Um, you know, disparage what could be actually a decent investment. I noticed uh, the okay. chairwoman was buying shares at current prices. I still couldn't give it a buy. And so it would okay. be a hold for me at best. All right. Let's uh, recap the first five stocks we've got through. Amcor, uh, a yes from both uh, Rudy and Claude. Emico, a hold from Claude, a no from uh, Rudy. Hotel property investment, look, if you like a sort of stable high yield REIT, um, real estate investment trust, uh, and you want to buy yield, it's a, a good one to consider. Alliance Aviation, um, a yes from Rudy, a no from Claude, and equity trustees, at best a hold from, uh, uh, from Rudy, a no from Claude. Uh, here on the call, we have our own portfolio that we've been tracking since the 1st of July, thanks to our partner, Nat Drake. If you like a, a bit of a fantasy portfolio, any stock that gets uh, two thumbs up from our expert panel goes into the portfolio like Amcor does today. If it comes up again with a different expert panel and doesn't get unanimous approval, it goes out. Um, let's take a look at the returns for the last week, up 1.67%, uh, down half a percent for the month, up almost 25% since the 1st of July. Um, some of the stocks that have been recently added, Harvey Norman, Calix, Ophir uh, High Conviction Fund, JB Hi-Fi, Incitec Pivot and Telstra. Some of the stocks that have been taken out, Hum Group, the old Plexi Group, um, Ridley Corp, St. Barbara and Qantas. If you want to see all the stocks in the calls portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. 
Uh, coming up after one o'clock, we talk to Deloitte Access Economics partner, Sheeran Underwood, about the outlook for business investment in 2021. Uh, Sheeran is coming up at 1.10 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. All right, let's get into the uh, second half of the call, our sixth stock and another REIT. Um, Rudy, Homeco Daily Needs REIT, it invests in neighbourhood retail, large format retail and health services groups. What do you think of, hasn't been going that long, has it? Oh, it's just listed. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's excited about it. It's literally <laughs> everyone. Um, maybe good to Because they're not going for the big shopping malls. It's no, the, yes. the local smaller ones, medical centres, well, that maybe, sort of Maybe thing. it's good to take, take a step back. The management team behind all this, they, they bought the, uh, the, the failed experiment by Woolworths to move into the Bunnings territory, basically. Ah. So they, they bought those assets and they thought like, well, let's be entrepreneurial. And they listed and then and now they are spinning out more specialized REITs. And this yeah. is the first one. My understanding is they're working on another one as well. So basically what, you, what you're doing now, you're, you're backing a, a entrepreneurial prop team of property experts. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not that much of a property expert, but what I can, what I can report is that everyone has a look at this, loves it, thinks uh, within within uh, less than 12 months it'll offer bank-like uh, yields, um, and again, um, it, it's about execution as well. It's it's nice to be entrepreneurial, but it also means things can't go wrong. But yeah. if you back the management team here, and um, by all means, go, go for your life. But it's, it is, I have, I have to say, it is a yield stock. Right. So don't think about anything else. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, should, you shouldn't buy it for, for big profits or anything. Right. You're simply buying it because you get your income. So is it a good management team though? Um, I don't know them personally, but they, 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 what they've done so far, it has worked. Okay, all right, Claude? Yeah, for me, um, I'd be pretty cautious of a newly listed um, real estate investment trust. That doesn't mean it's bad, but it's just if you're looking for that kind of stuff, it means that you're putting a uh, focus in my view, it probably means you're putting a fo focus on, I guess, like safety. And so this one does sort of like uh, at least some sort of big box retailing kind of things. So it's actually quite similar in some ways to BWP Trust, which is one that is focused on um, Bunnings in particular. And for me, if I wanted something in this space, I would be willing to potentially pay a little bit more to get something like BWP Trust that has like a really long history of doing a really good job. If you look at the 10 year, this is a different company, but it's a similar space. So what I'm saying is I would basically pay a premium and get a slightly lower yield just so that I can have 10 years of history knowing that a company has done well. Mm. Um, so for that reason, I would avoid a newly listed real estate investment trust. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you for that. Now, Julia wants a view on Otomo Diagnostics. Uh, Claude, They're, they specialise in designing and manufacturing devices for blood-based medical conditions. They um, sort of had a uh, COVID-19 antigen test that, they, uh, that they've been trying to develop as well. Yeah, that's right. So um, I guess it's, it's worth saying that these guys are a fairly speculative company still, as they still have negative operating um, cash flow and uh, indeed free cash flow. So definitely on the riskier side of the scale, I'm sure uh, Rudy will have something to say about that. Uh, meantime, obviously they've been taking uh, a lot of uh, positive, I guess, chatter because of the whole thing that's happened with the pandemic. 
So that's good for them. I hope that uh, they they succeed. It's definitely one that I've had a look at earlier on in the um, pandemic. As you can see, it, it got it, it was had a much higher share price, and then it's come down since then, indicating I suspect that ultimately it may struggle to capture like heaps of upside from um, its antigen tests. So too speculative for me at this point in time. There are other diagnostic companies. There was a whole spate of them coming to the market around um, obviously March when, when COVID really hit. And I'm sure some of them will be winners in the end, but I don't know which ones they are. And I think there are, there are too many people trying to do this all at once for everybody to succeed. So mm. a little bit too risky for me. Don't you wow. hear me say that too often, but yeah, no. too, too risky for me. Um, so <laughs> I, I would leave it, but that doesn't mean I, that doesn't mean I have a negative view on it. It just means that, um, you know, I would, I want to see a couple more quarters of the sales of their, their Atomo rapid test. And if that starts looking like uh, the sort of exponential growth curve, then I'd be the first person to say, well, well, this looks like the real deal and maybe it's really interesting, but I'm still waiting. All right. And then um, last week, this week, you had Alum, uh, which is not listed on the share market, but a great business, uh, Brisbane-based diagnostic company, get $300 million from, uh, from the US government to ramp up production of its COVID test at home testing kit that you can get a result in 20 minutes. So, the, the, you know, you get, you've yeah. got to pick your winners. Here, exactly. The problem, the problem as an investor is, can you predict an announcement like Illum or, can, or yeah. can't you? And, and, and if it's only a one-off, then it's not, it's not there to stay either. I think, I think the, key, the key word here is risk. And there yeah. are, are many, many ways where I would draw a circle around this and I would advise just about 98% of investors who are viewing things like this program of just not going there. Because yes. it's, it's obviously, if you ask the question here, it's obviously not your 40 and it's not your, it's not your thing. I mean, we can all put uh, some money in the lottery or buy a lottery ticket and that's fine, but the share market is something completely different. Yeah. Um, to me, the share market doesn't have to be uh, that risky. But if I look at the price chart that we just saw, for me, that's reason not, not to pay any attention to that company. That is, right. a com- that, is a, that is a price chart where the market has given up, basically. Yeah. Um, and of course, I mean, it can go up if they, if they would have an announcement uh, like from the US government or whatever, but is that going to stick or not? And that's, yeah. the, that's the problem then. Yeah. You have to be careful with, with, with really small cap stocks like this that are not profitable, that it's, it doesn't become a lobster pot. And lobster right. pot means you can get in, but you can't get out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I personally have had an experience about uh, 18 years ago where I doubled my money in a, in a biotech and I thought like, I did so well. And I said to my stockbroker, let's take profits. And I saw what, what came back and I made no profits. Wow. And I thought, like, what is this? And I basically pulled down the share price and I didn't have many shares to be honest. <laughs> and it, it became a zero operation. Yeah. So I only had profits while it was while yeah. it was in the price and my money was in there yeah, from yeah. the moment I tried to get but the you profits. Bank no, it. no. And that's the problem you have with this. And if you sure. look at the volumes as well, daily volumes, they are so low. Yeah. I mean, so why would you ever go there? Yep. All right. Um, uh, Steve wants a view on Plexure. Is this another <laughs> lobster pot? Uh, that's this, another one. Yes. This, this is only a recent listing, a New Zealand company. Yes. Um, they have products to engage consumers on their mobile devices and making personalized offers on, on mobile. Founded in... New Zealand in in 2010, uh, they use 
all the buzzwords used. Absolutely, absolutely. And the fact, and the fact that they have technology from New Zealand is now probably also a good a good thing, yeah. Because oh, they've, yeah. They've, they've exactly. They've, oh, uh, New, yeah. New Zealand tech businesses uh, have done phenomenally exactly. well. Over Here's probably a nice observation to make. Yeah. If, if you do this, the time I've been doing this, yeah, you see all these, all these narratives, all these companies coming along, and for a while, sometimes, they do really, really well. But then if you look back, they all disappear by the wayside, and, and after a while, nobody's interested anymore. Yeah. I think it's worth pointing out here that a company like Microsoft yeah, does not make the best products in what they do. Yeah? Everyone has always had a, had a joke about their browsers and about some yeah. of their software. Yeah? But as a company, they do really, really well. Yeah? The, the irony is, and, and Claude will, will definitely back this up, all those micro cap and small caps, they always try to convince us they have this great story, yeah? but they do not necessarily have a great business. Yeah. Yeah? And Microsoft is a great business. Yeah? Because Microsoft has distribution and scale. And market and power and, and brand. brand. Exactly. Yeah. You're competing and against that. Exactly. We're, we're probably going to... We might experience the same with Google. Yeah? If Google leaves Australia, we're all going to yeah. discover that there's other search engines out there that are good as well. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. just that Google dominates that space. Yeah? Yeah. Now, as a small cap, they always have this great story. I mean, it's great, the queue for this and the best product for that and whatever, but it doesn't mean they have a great business. Yeah? Mm. See, what I do is I, I allow those businesses to, to show me that they actually have a great business. Yeah. And for that, they need not just three quarters, okay. they need that's Revenues, they need profits, they need right. growth. It's an yeah? important thing and for, sustainably. for investors, yes. isn't it? That it's not about the product, no. it's about the business. Yes. It's about the founders who can grow the business and cope with growth as well. Yes. Because everything comes back to, you've got to make a profit. And it basically is, is about the, the ability to keep customers with you. Yeah. That is yeah. The, the key thing. I mean, a while ago, last year, I had discussions with people that said that the next big thing is Misoblast. Yeah. Yeah? And they were comparing it to the next CSL. Now, I had a big good laugh about that one. And they were telling me how fantastic the, the technology was. I said, it doesn't matter. I mean, yeah. they don't have a business. Yeah. Right. For a while, of course, they get angry at me at Twitter. So look at what happened now. Yeah. They might have to come back with, with, with more, with basically cap in hand, raising more money. They don't have a business, and that is the I mean, irrespective oh. of what your product yeah, yeah. is, you yeah. need customers that stay with yeah. you, and not just order once, but next month again and again and yeah. again. Got to have more than a good story. Yes. Uh, Claude, what do you think of Plexure? Well, I I'm going to zoom in on Plexure a little bit. I completely agree with what Rudy sort of said generally about this space, but let me explain to you why I actually think Plexure is one of the more interesting small caps on the ASX at the moment, and I actually do own a small amount of shares in it. Again, yeah. part of my strategy of, of trying to pick the most prospective ones that have the best upside, and yep. then some of them will be right, some of them will be wrong, but when you're right, you can do real well. So basically, I think you know the key point to make with Plexure is there's part of the story that's slightly obscured from Australian audiences. So. Zooming out, this is a company that's major customer is McDonald's and they are reliant on that customer. So that looks like a bad thing. But then the good thing is that McDonald's has taken a 10% shareholding in Plexure, which is just something that you see from occasionally when a big customer takes a shareholding mm. in a small company. Sometimes it's a good sign. Like we saw the same thing with Ordinate when Yamaha had a, had a shareholding that. Now you can't see it on the ASX chart, which we're seeing right now because it's just listed. But actually, this company has had a fantastic couple of years. If you look at it on the New Zealand Stock Exchange, um, its share price has gone up a lot. I think I first looked at this when it was about 14 cents, 15 cents. That's New Zealand cents. 
But you can see it's easily gone up about five times since then. And the revenue has gone up a lot too. So back in 2018, it was making 6.3 million uh, uh, New Zealand dollars in revenue. And now in its most recent half, half it was about 14.3. So yeah, it's taken a few years, but it really is growing that revenue. Now, I think the negative side of it from a fundamental perspective right now is that the revenue growth has slowed because they've sort of gotten really involved with McDonald's and in McDonald's in Japan. And that's driven some, some real good growth. But the growth rates have slowed down. And what we're seeing in the last couple of years is slowing revenue growth. But what it's easy to forget is that um, this company actually has made a profit before. So it can make a profit and it did make a profit for a half. And then it sort of just went a little bit to a little loss. And then it raised capital and came to the ASX. So that's given it more money to invest in growth again. And that's why you're going to see the loss get worse, which does open it up to legitimate criticism. But the loss will get worse. And then what we're hoping, shareholders like me are hoping that that loss, that spending results in accelerated growth, which basically means we need to get a really another big customer here. So what these guys do, what their real selling point is, they do a whole bunch of things to enable these digital sales for someone like McDonald's, including building an app and stuff like that. But the real value here is basically having processing all of that uh, customer data insights so that McDonald's knows what offer to give someone at what time right. to maximize the chances mm, okay. that they'll walk in and buy that buy the meal. So that that could be good. And you can see how it could be sticky if they do it for five years for McDonald's. Now they just need to get new big customers. So that's what a shareholder like me is waiting for. We're hoping there'll be a new big customer and, and, and it could double in size then. A $200 million market cap, it's not cheap now. So I'm not saying it's the bargain of the year, but I do think it is interesting. So that's a buy from you? It is a buy from me, but okay. as part of a sensible sort of portfolio of, of small cap right. ideas. Which is, which is why I love having you two on, because <laughs> you have very different backgrounds and specialties, and that's terrific. Um, exactly. I love it. I, mean, what I always said to people, in successful investing in the share market, it starts with who am I or what do I want? Yeah. And that sounds like very esoteric, but it actually isn't, yep. because it, it's all about what risk do you, do you take on? What experience do you yeah. have? And, and what are you looking for? Are you looking for yeah. buy and hold or are you looking for jump on yeah. things and jump back yep, off? Absolutely. Um, all right, Claude, let's stay with you because this is another micro cap. Um, uh, Clivus wants a view on SkyFi. Now, I must admit, I'd never heard of this business no, <laughs> until I looked into it. They call themselves an omni-data intelligence company, um, uh, commercializing data analytics, um, only a market cap of $88 million. Share price has been on a bit of a run though. Yeah, so, well, it's just rebounded really. So this is another one I have to declare I am a shareholder in. And I'm a little bit more confident in SkyFi than I am in Flexure, just because I've followed it for a longer period of time. Now, what happened, and, now, and this one has been a bit of a non-performer for years, right? And I've actually owned this stock and lost money on it. So, you know, uh, you can think of me as a, as a little bit of a baggie in this case, if you wish. Um, but basically, uh, it, it's um, Omnidata Intelligence allows uh, big, uh, say let's just take the obvious example of a mall but it could be a stadium or a cinema complex or whatever it allows them to do uh you know people counting understanding where people are flowing so basically and this is the key thing that everyone needs to remember is 
Um, Skype uh, Wi-Fi monitors can actually track your phone even when you're not connected to the Wi-Fi network. Like your phone, when you're as long as your Wi-Fi is on, like that is open to mm. receive networks, it can be tracked not as an identified person, but as a little Wi-Fi signal that's walking around the shopping center complex, whatever it is. So it has this mechanism where anyone who's carrying a phone can be measured, and then that can be also cross-matched with other things like. Uh, people counters video also just data about who's paying an entrance fee to the cinema and ticket sales and all that kind of thing so it essentially allows uh you know businesses to track how people are moving around their physical places now when covid hit that's why you saw the massive crash because people such as myself and many other people thought these guys would be in trouble as their customers would be in trouble and to be fair they did take a hit and they did allow customers not to pay. However, I think they said now 99% of those people who were not paying for a little while during the peak of COVID are now paying again. You're seeing that come through in the normalized free cash flow and the normalized um, receipts from cash flow. And the other thing that gets me about these guys is they've just been that, yes, they are in a loss making position. Yes, they do burn cash flow. But uh, basically, you know, it's close enough to uh, cash flow break even that it's very plausible that yeah, they're just spending okay. for growth, you know, they they could survive without it. So for that, I don't think there's too much downside. I do think number counting and monitoring pe how people move in places is going to become more important. And for that reason, I like it. They're growing their okay. ARR. They're not trading on a crazy multiple of recurring revenue. Looks good to me. And I hold it and, and, and have bought um, actually okay. not that long ago. Right. Uh, yeah. Yes, from court. Rudy, outside your wheelhouse. No, no. Yes, exactly. I mean, right. uh, Couple, couple of things exactly a couple of things to point out and that is in, in the in the extension of what claude said whenever people said to me like have a look at my portfolio rudy yeah i often look and i see the, all those small caps and they're almost without exception underwater huh? yeah and i think that this don't confuse these stocks with with the likes of mco we spoke about sure. earlier right? yep. they're down before you know it and they do not necessarily come back in the, in the best times there's not an anecdote to just add a little bit of color. 18 years ago, the main supply of gherkins to McDonald's in New Zealand and, and Australia went bankrupt. And you think like, how is that possible? Every hamburger they sell has yeah, a yeah. slice of gherkin on there. McDonald's Imagine. is not in the business of making you, the main supplier, profitable. <laughs> yeah, it's a very good point. All right, we're running out of time, so we'll have to quickly get through Balador Technology Investments. It's an investment company focuses on information technology sector. A lot of their investments are unlisted. Their biggest investment is called SiteMinder, which is uh, a hotel guest acquisition platform for hotels around the world. Um, I think the concept is really interesting. The, yeah. These guys would, would I mean you're trusting on them doing the right thing. They also have Straker, for example, another New Zealand company. Yeah. Um, but, but, and and, and uh, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, there's the ex-CEO of Fairfax is, isn't right. here. Right. Um, but again, it's, it's low volume on the share market. It's in, in particular, it's a small cap stock. Um, I mean, you can do this work yourself, but you might, you have less risk if you buy an ETF essentially. Right. So in this case, you have to trust them, yeah. but it is a very low volume, very small cap. Uh, so that okay. has risks in itself. So I All would right. caution because of the risks. Claude? Um, I, it's not one that I invest in myself, but I, I actually think it's a reasonable way for somebody to get uh, exposure to sort of VC stuff on the ASX. It's probably even the best way to do that. So. It's not a buy from me, but like, for example, they um, have been the early investors in 
uh, a different company that is listed that Rudy mentioned called Straker, which I still own some shares in. And uh, yeah, basically, I they've done pretty well. And I also like that they've been like fairly disciplined and they have taken some cash out of their investments from time to time, including the biggest one that you mentioned, uh, SiteMinder. So I think that's good. They look pretty interesting to me. I definitely um, wouldn't uh, wouldn't be against the stock, but it's I'd be looking to buy it when it, it's trading below its actual announced net tangible assets. Not sure quite yeah. how often that happens, but it, it, it certainly does happen. So yeah. yeah, maybe that's a better time to buy than right now when it's a little bit above. Okay. All right, let's recap the uh, final five stocks, the HomeCo uh, REIT. Uh, Rudy says, look at it if you're, if you're uh, wanting a yield stock. Uh, Claude wants uh, to see a, a lot more track record. It's only only recently been listed. Uh, Atomo, a no. Plexure, um, a no from Rudy. A yes from Claude, who already has uh, some shares in it. Quite excited about it. Skyfire, a no from Rudy. A yes from uh, Claude, who has shares in it as well. It's that's remember this is in Claude's specialty. This is this um, small um, small cap and and tech businesses that are going to grow in the future. And Balador a no from both. Uh, Rudy Philippek Van Dyke from FN Arena. Always great to see you, mate. Have a have a good weekend. We missed you too. Oh, he's so nice, isn't he? Claude Walker <laughs> from Original Life in Canberra. Uh, really appreciate your time, Claude. Follow Claude on. Uh, Follow them both on Twitter. Uh, they're, they're both really engaging and don't mind putting it out there. And certainly Claude likes sort of having a go at different people. So I, lo- I love your Twitter account, oh, Claude. No. He's fearless. He's yes. fearless. He is fearless. <laughs> Sorry. I love it. Maybe I, maybe I should choose my words very carefully. No, don't apologise. It's terrific. All right, fellas. Good to see you. Thanks for doing the call today. That's our show for today. If you want to flick us any stocks to take a look at here on the call, uh, email the call at osbiz.com.au, tweet us at osbiztv. And a reminder to find all the stocks we have in the calls portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Now, if you're looking for your next investment, tune into the Startup Daily uh, team between 2 and 3 p.m. Sean Moriarty is on today, one of the guests, one of many guests, founders, um, of campaign agent as he receives a $13 million cash injection from REA Group into his business. So he's going to explain what they're going to be doing with it. That's coming up on the Startup Daily Show. So as you can see, a lot happening on Ausbiz. It will continue right after this. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.